There is nothing wrong with your podcatcher. Do not attempt to adjust the feed. We are controlling the bitstream. We control the encoding. We can mispronounce names. We can consume alcoholic beverages. For the next half hour, we will control all that you read and discuss. Go to patreon.com slash sword and laser to pledge support. Welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. Thank goodness for you. It's been a long day today. And yet, and yet, I'm so excited to do this show because people are so fun to talk to about this stuff. When you say people, do you mean me? Well, yes, I include you, but I'm, I'm I'm sort of speaking to the audience when I say that. So okay. I, I wasn't trying to exclude you, but I'm just saying like, hey, y'all that help Veronica and I have a good time doing this. You're great. That's true. Although I have to say, I've gotten a little uh, pulled into Red Dead Redemption 2. Ah. And so anything that prevents me from playing Red Dead Redemption 2. <laughs> so you're actually mad to do the show. Like, oh, I was like, <laughs> like oh. Great. Less time for Red Dead Redemption. I got to do sword and laser. I got some animals to skin. I've got some bounties <laughs> to hunt. It's, you know, it's a job. It's a real, yeah, it's real it's work. A lot of work. It's a real yeah. work. <laughs> There's people who depend on me, Tom. I know. I know. I know. Uh, I, I also remember when you were here, your husband uh, telling you things that had happened in Red Dead Redemption as if he were telling you about his day. Well, my favorite thing was he was sending me all these photos of dogs he was petting uh, in Red Dead Redemption, which is something that we do in real life. Um, right. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah. And then the funniest thing was I was uh, I was playing, and it was the first night that I was really spending any time playing the game, and I hadn't quite figured out the controls yet. Mm-hmm. And so I'm walking through town, I see this dog, and I mosey on over, and I, I get ready to pet the dog. Yeah, I shoot the dog. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, no. I shoot the dog and then I get a bounty on me for animal cruelty. Right. Of course. As and apparently I don't remember because I kind of blacked out, but I'm, I screamed and Ryan's upstairs and he's like, he starts, he starts texting me. Of course he doesn't like, run downstairs. Okay? He doesn't bother running downstairs to see if I'm okay. He starts texting me and he's like, what's the matter? I was like, I shot a dog by accident. And in I was game, able to in a video game. In a video game. In a video game. I was able to uh go back to an earlier uh autosave. Oh, thank goodness. And reverse that. And I gave that dog a lot of love once I figured I, out how to yeah, it feel, like made real sure of your controls. <laughs> that L7 button is a it's a tricky, tricky button in this mm. game. It's Mm-mm. either talk to people or shoot them dead. That's, Which seems that like, seems bad, like bad, bad UI. UI. It's yeah. bad UI. I think Rockstar is very good at games. That was a poor choice. Mm, I maybe. feel like there could have been other buttons for for those. Anyway, you are drinking weirdly appropriate uh, something something for what we were just talking about. I'm drinking something called Gun Gun Gert from Calpis. Oh, I always had a lot of fun with uh, the name Calpis. Yeah, I'm drinking Calpis. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. It's, it's delicious, cream. though. It's creamy. It's very refreshing. 
It's both kind of, creamy. It's both creamy and refreshing, it which is. I find confusing. Citrus, citrusy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Gungungurt is uh, a, a Calpico, if that makes you feel more comfortable out there. Uh, company beverage from Japan, and it's got like a mangoey, citrusy kind of flavor, but it's also got a yogurt kind of feel mm-hmm, to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's really good. It's delicious. Like it. I'm I'm on a yogurt drink kick right now oh i've also been drinking milkies from korea what about like um a mango lassi that's yogurt Ooh, i love mango lassi i have not i have not i've kind of feel like that's the kind of thing you order at a restaurant mm-hmm. I, I haven't found a, a like a canned version of that i haven't I mean, either yeah it's got to exist there's a mango dream japanese soda from ucc that i love oh that sounds good I'm drinking beer. I'm drinking the last beer that Tom gave me many, many moons ago. I'm drinking Eye of the Hawk Imperial Ale from Mendocino Brewing. It has made me very congested, which is the problem <laughs> why I hadn't I been drinking for the past happy, like but... two or three weeks. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, it's great. It's great. And I've got a pretty good little buzz going on because I haven't had any alcohol in so long. So <laughs> Cheap date. Yeah, exactly. That's what I call yeah. myself all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I, this is like two-year-old beer, though, right? Yep. Still good? Yeah. All right. Yes, it is. All right. Well, let's, uh, on that note, jump into the quick burns. All right. Uh, starting on January 14th, The Verge is going to be publishing 10 original science fiction stories, five animated adaptions, and five audio adaptations by a roster of science fiction authors who take an optimistic view of what lies ahead in ways both large and small uh, called Better Worlds. I think this is a really cool approach to say like, hey, enough of the dark fantasy and sci-fi. How about some positivity? Yeah, some not necessarily utopian, but things that feel hopeful. Um, Yeah. so we've got we've got uh, short stories coming from the likes of John Scalzi, Leah Alexander, River Solomon, uh, Elizabeth Bonesteel. Um, so there's a lot of really great authors in this lineup, and and it's multimedia, which I think is really great. So there's going to be, like you said, animations, videos, um, and I, I'm hoping that we can get Neilai or or Laura Hudson on from The Verge to to come on and and talk a little bit more about it. Because I think it's a really worthwhile project, and I think it's something that we kind of need right now. Yeah, and these aren't like, you know, Pollyanna cotton candy stories. Uh, River Solomon is writing, a young woman must choose between her secure enclave and the one she loves. Like It sounds heart-wrenching, but the idea is that it's not about, oh, everything's bad and getting worse and the apocalypse. <laughs> right. So it kicks off on uh, January uh, 14th. Uh, with a with the theory of flight by Justina Ireland, um, and then it goes on every every day or two, every two days or so. There's going to be a new story out. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to this, and I think it's a, it's a great project. And um, I just like I said, I feel like we need this. I feel like it's it's uh, something that can give the world a little more hope. I mean, science fiction is something that's supposed to like look to the future and think about what's possible. Yeah. 
and being able to have some positivity to balance out, you know, things are very negative right now with, with the way mm. that, that the scientific world is going. And with the exception, I think, of, of you know, consumer uh, and commercial uh, space travel yeah. and all the things that NASA and JPL are doing with in regards to Mars. And it, there's, there is some good stuff happening for sure. But here on Earth, it's a little darker, a little, dark, little <laughs> well, darker. The, I mean, there's a couple things going on. One is the perception that everything is bad by, by many people, many, many, many people uh, definitely could, could use a little, little hope in their lives, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, apocalyptic science fiction has a great purpose in warning us, right? If like, hey, if you're too complacent, let me warn you about what could happen if you don't change your ways. I don't feel like that's a message that needs to get out <laughs> to as many people as it used to. I think there are more people than ever who understand. It's like, hey, oh, wait we a know. minute. Yeah, this, this, we get it. So so science fiction, one of science fiction's other uh, purposes is to to help us figure out the future that we want. And so you need those positive stories that show like, this is what we could do. This is this is where we could go. And we've seen that in my lifetime happen with things that were on Star Trek becoming true. Mm-hmm. And in many cases, developers of those things saying, well, I was inspired by Star Trek. Like I wanted right, to make right. that thing I saw become a real thing. Yeah, it's happened time and time again. A lot of just design in general is based on and and computer um, computer uh, UI and mm-hmm. experience is is based around early early examples like that from from Star Trek and and other early sci fi uh, yeah. shows and, and movies. And books. So I think and books, yeah. So um, I think the Minority Report example of how how touch interfaces work or holographic interfaces mm. and things of that nature really kind of plays out. Yeah. And of course, the reason that all of our voice assistants sound like Majel Barrett. There you go. <laughs> There's that. Uh, more from The Verge. Um, Netflix announced uh, some original animated events, series, and specials based on Roald Dahl's novels, including Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Matilda, the BFG, the Twits, and more. Production starts next year. Uh, missing from the list are The Witches, Fantastic Mr. Fox, and James and the Giant Peach. Yeah, there's obviously some licensing issues uh, about getting all of the rights uh, to Roald Dahl, but it's the Roald Dahl extended universe coming to Netflix, which I think will be interesting to watch. Do you consider Charlie and the chocolate factory fantasy? Uh, You know, I never really thought about it before, but why not? I mean, things happen that definitely feel fantastical. Yeah. And I don't know that it's science fiction, (laughs) right? Uh, so I, I, I guess I would call it fantasy cause it's, it's, it's certainly things that wouldn't happen. Right. One would expect. Like the things that happened to Veruca Salt, for example, or yeah. any number of things. Yeah. There's people shrink. There's a, there's a, a mystical race. If of, fantastic voyage is science fiction. Yeah. Then why is, why Charlie is not the Roald chocolate factory Dahl not considered yeah. fantasy? Yeah. Uh, uh, along those lines, uh, io9 has a column out this week positing that It's a Wonderful Life is a science fiction film. I can see that. Because it involves an alternate reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it involves fantastical creatures. So maybe it's science fantasy. Maybe it's fantasy, not science fiction. I don't Wait, know. Wait, I don't remember. What are the fantastical creatures? Well, angels. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the angel yeah, yeah. that comes yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and guides right. him. 
George Bailey mm-hmm. through to see what his life would have been like. So what was it like being a kid when that movie came out? Uh, it was a magical time, Veronica. <laughs> uh, nickel went so far. You could you could buy a house with a nickel. It Did was... you play with your like your your hoop toys? Yes, just like batting uh, we them would, down the we street. Would, we would take a stick and uh, and an empty tree trunk, hollow it out, and knock it down down the, <laughs> down the lanes. Is that yeah. how they made them? They were empty yeah. trees. Well, that's they how we did. Have... You know, we couldn't uh, afford to buy them city hoops. Got it. Those round hoops. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, it was it was a different time. My one room schoolhouse and the horse that I would ride into town. Well, pick up you, the you milk. look good. You look good for your age. Thank you. I appreciate it. You really that. do. Yeah. TRP says the Londonist website has put together a fictional map of Britain. It's mostly made up film, TV, and literature locations. And there are a few science fiction and fantasy locations like Harry Potter, Midwich Cuckoos, 1984, Winnie the Pooh, Dr. Doolittle, Judge Dredd, etc. Um, that is awesome. I think that's pretty cool. Is there Sherlock Holmesian stuff in there? It's called Fake Britain. Mm-hmm. So there's fictional cities, fictional islands. Oh, all right. Like Cragnadoon from the Outlander, I would assume, might be on here. I haven't actually found it. I feel like that's probably a real place. It's not. It's not? No, it's not. I mean, the, the, what they used in the TV show is an actual place, but it's well, not yes. called Cragnadoon. Oh, I always thought that was kind of like historical fantasy fiction. Mm-hmm. Like I all mean, the places were real. There is kind a place of. called Scotland. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> really? <laughs> you can visit Inverness. That's a real town. Oh, uh, right. I'm trying to look through here, like because because they have a legend that there's like real towns, towns that don't exist. What what does the legend say here? Hold there's on. There's fictional city, fictional town, fictional building, unmappable location, and fictional island. Okay. So they've actually added fictional islands in here, mm-hmm. like in their general location. Like Kieran Island. What are the swirly ones? Those are the uh, unmappable places. Oh, like Azkaban is there. Yeah. So we we know it exists, but we don't know exactly where it is. Got yeah, it. Yeah. Hogwarts is on here. That kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. What's your favorite? Um, if you had to pick a fictional map, what would be your favorite fictional map? The... <laughs> Man in the High Castle map with the Japanese Pacific states oh, and the Greater Nazi that's right good. and the neutral zone. Yeah. Okay, that's a good Tom answer. I like that. Yeah. So I, I laugh because I'm like, if you really think about it, you could probably guess what I'm going to say. I feel like that's too typical. I should think of something better, but that that was what came to mind. No, that was good. I mean, of all things, that was good. Okay, good, good to know. Finally. What about you? Oh, I don't. It's not important that I have an answer. I was specifically asking for you for a reason. You can't do that. Is that I fair? Can. Is I can't do that. It's my show. I, I can do whatever mm, I want. It's a, my show, too. Well, then I 50% don't have to answer that question. <laughs> 50% of you does. <laughs> um, I, I haven't really thought hard enough, I guess. <sighs> See, it's a hard question. All right, but you, you can, answered you, it so quickly. You can take, take it to next week. Okay. Think about You'll it. You'll forget. You'll forget. I totally will. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mark says The October Man, the next Rivers of London novella by Ben Arano- Aronovic. Aronovic? Aronovic. Oh, how come that time it's Vich and other times it's Vic? Fair enough. 
by Ben Aronovich. It's available for pre-order from Subterranean Press. Mark says, I think this signed limited edition hardcover uh, scheduled for May 2019 comes out about a month before the regular release. Yeah, this is an interesting thing. And I'd, I'd like to hear from people if if they've seen this happen a lot before, because I haven't personally seen it a lot. So the October Man, you can get signed lettered edition for $250, or you get a signed limited edition for $40. Uh, and these are all pre-orders to be published in May, which, as Mark suspects, might be a little earlier than everybody else gets them. Mm-hmm. Uh, seems like a, an interesting way to make the most of the, of your biggest fans. Yeah. Wow. $250 for the pre-order. For the signed lettered. Signed lettered. What does lettered mean? I, I knew you were going to ask that. Oh, I'm, go- I'm sorry. I stumped, uh, stumped merit. Only those who own the lettered edition... Oh, of like, the furthest station mm. may order the lettered edition of the October Man, so you can't even order it. Anyone may order a copy of the limited edition. If you'd like to match your numbers to the first station, you must mention your number when checking out. Wow, that's crazy. Lettered. See, I, as soon as I read lettered, I felt like numbered, and that kind of made sense to me. But let, I don't know what that means. I'm sorry. Someone out there does, and they're furiously typing to me a week from now. You if t- only we had a if search only Tom engine could- that I could type lettered edition. Uh, it's a limited, are traditionally limited to 26 copies, one for each letter of the alphabet. Oh, interesting. All right. Wow. I never knew that. Yeah, that's cool. Even after all these years, we learn something new every day. Still crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark also noted uh, a couple of other things. Uh, there is a comparative study for urethrotomy called Is the Laser Mightier Than the Sword? I don't want to go into what urethrotomy is, but well, I'm assuming it has to do with it's a medical procedure that requires a knife. Ow! The knife is the most common instrument but used also for a it. Laser, but apparently there are high recurrence rates when you use a knife, so a laser reduces those rates. And this abstract compares the two techniques. So it sounds like. The laser in this situation is mightier than the sword. Perhaps. Mm, you know what? I'll give it to you. You can have it. In this one. I don't know you if it's mightier. It's certainly more effective. More precise. Uh, Mark also, uh, Mark was on a run. He also posted a place where you can get miniature arms holding a sword and or a laser. Yep. There they are. Victorianminiatures.com. There, there they are. If you just, I mean, I think Mark must have just searched sword and laser and everything that he found <laughs> that entertained him that came well, up, he went ahead and posted. I'm sorry to say that the 10 sword and laser pistol arms oh, are currently yeah. sold out. <laughs> That's too bad. They're sold out. There was a run on them. It's just not, you know, these are very for your popular. miniatures. Like if you're doing miniatures and you need to put, a, a, your miniature needs to have someone who's holding a sword or a laser, you, you can well, get. I, would yeah. like to have my miniature having five swords and five lasers. This was an incredibly astute long con by Victoria Miniatures yep. to create sword and laser pistol arms, knowing that someone in our audience would search for sword and laser and find them, think it was funny, post it in Quick Burns, and then get us to talk about them. Well, you know how mad I got last week when I, or a couple of weeks ago when I searched for us on, um, I was actually, I, I was telling someone at work about the podcast. And they're like, oh, is it on Spotify? And I said, I don't know. Mm. And so I went on to Spotify and I searched for Sword and Laser. And there was another podcast called Swords and Lasers. 
with the plural though. See, yeah. it's totally different. I was stunned. <laughs> and then I put us on Spotify. <laughs> so. Yeah. So now you can get us on Spotify. So there's less confusion. My barber knew what podcasts were, totally has a few that she listens to only on Spotify. Yeah. It's a thing. Mm, it's I a know. thing, man. Yeah. It's it's fine. I mean, that's a perfectly reasonable way to listen now to podcasts. Now that Spotify lets anyone submit, I'm fine. Yeah. 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 For a while, it though, exclusive. it was like, mm, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for submitting. I guess Dara Dara had a sick week or something. I don't know. She was on vacation. <laughs> Man, that's going to dock some out. points. That's going to dock some points. <laughs> Trike is going to surge Trike ahead. Trike didn't have any either, though. So doesn't it end up a wash? True. True. This is true. Um, but yes, thank you to everyone who submits. You can submit your own quick burns over on goodreads.com slash sword and laser. Look for the quick burns thread. It's where we pull all of our stories every week. All right. Well, now it is time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. And, you know, we don't normally do shows every week uh, in spite of what I literally just said, which is <laughs> that we pull stories for the show every week. Um, yeah, right. It's biweekly. Uh, and so we didn't have a ton of new barrier swords this time around, which is fine. Totally fine. Holiday mm-hmm. season, et cetera. Um, but we had some really great responses to last week's episode, um, including from Tom. So we wanted to kind of go back and, and talk about our our uh, Marty Stew conversation about chance specifically and go into some of the feedback that people gave. Uh, Julia said, listening to you talk about zeros made it more clear to me why I disliked it so much. Whew. I agree with Veronica that Chance is a Mary Sue or Gary Stew, if you will. Though I think the problem is not that he is incapable and more that he doesn't have to work for his skills. With all the others, it is implied that they put a lot of time and effort into getting good at what they're doing. Chance just has to be himself. And the unbelievable romance doesn't help either. It feels like a wish fulfillment fantasy for nerdy white guys, which is okay, I guess, but very much not for me. Anyway, I'm really excited for the December pick, so that's good. Yeah, I I don't feel that chance is that bad. I, I feel like we 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 start to throw around Mary Sue too easily. Um and so that that was the gist You're of my response. You're literally saying that I'm doing that because I was the one who made that association well, in the podcast. I said we so fine. that I could implicate myself with you. Yeah. Because but I, 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 I still I wasn't guilty feel that of it. Way. I wasn't guilty of it last week, but I know I've done it before. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we need we need to differentiate between a weak character, which is what Julia is describing in perfectly valid ways, and Mary Sue. To me, Mary Sue is so pejorative. I res- we should reserve that for a character who has no flaws, never has any problems, is one hundred percent wish fulfillment. That's not Chance. But, Chance I has mean- problems. But does he? Because I mean, Chance's problem is that, to me at least, was well, that Chance he was got not sucked up into the zeros. First of all, uh, he—that's not he, a personality flaw, though. He had he had definite problems in his past uh, where where he was, you know, he made a very human mistake. Yeah, he made a mistake. Um, he also is is not confident. Uh, he's really bad at stuff, and they make a point of showing that. So. What I'm saying is you can criticize Chance and say, I don't like his character. I think it's weak. I think it's unbelievable that he he would have been the guy to to win. And maybe that's that's, you know, a little bit of wish fulfillment there. But I don't think that makes him entirely a Marty Stew. I, I think, think the problem think, here is that I think we Marty have... Stew is when you're like, 
wow, this character is just worthless. Like, can't can't do anything wrong. Is always Let winning. That's not chance. Chance isn't always Let winning. Talk. Okay. okay. I think that I. <sighs> Now I forgot what I was going to say because I got all excited. No, I don't. Um, I feel like we're sometimes conflating Marty Stew, Gary Stew, whatever, with being a a kind of a blank canvas for the reader. Mm. And that's something that I think Caitlin kind of got into a little bit in this thread as well, that he felt like a bland cutout. Because I agree, if we're going by like the definition of a Mary Sue or a Gary Stew or whatever, it's really like this person is kind of perfect. In this case, and in a lot of other cases, I think, they're a stand-in for the audience in a different way. They're a stand-in for the audience in the sense that we're not perfect and we would probably feel this way in this situation. And so, but it also didn't give a lot of character to that. I, I'm having trouble articulating it, but it felt like, like, oh, this would be like if it was me in that situation where I'd be like, why am I here? This doesn't make any sense. I don't have any skills. I have imposter syndrome. Like, that is just basically like the Veronica Belmont story. <laughs> but, you know, but in this case, it was like, sometimes I need a little bit more to feel him, like, not be me. Um, so maybe that's that's where a lot of this feeling is coming from. And maybe that that confusion or that 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 ease of kind of dropping that that Marty Stew, Gary Stew kind of label comes from this other feeling that I think other people were experiencing as well. Yeah, I think I think you nailed it. It's 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 when there there often has to be a character that's you. That is a mm-hmm. way into the story. You have to have a character that you identify with and say, oh, okay, I, I can identify with it. Otherwise, the, the story may be too inaccessible, right? There are various tolerances in what you'll accept from that character. The extreme is the Mary Sue, where it's it, it's not even believable to you because nothing you ever happens. You never be that perfect. Because yeah. they're, they're perfect, right? And nothing ever happens bad. A weak character is what I use to describe Chase, or at least Julia's criticism of Chase, is is okay this is my pov character but it's too much like me and mm-hmm. and there's a couple of things that happen that that either happen too quick or too easily not everything that's why it's to me not a mary sue but maybe a couple of things that you're like nah i don't know about that this this seems too easy and i don't think chances romance was unbelievable I just don't think it was earned. I th- and I think Julia is right to criticize it. I- again, maybe I'm just picking on semantics, but it's not it's not a, a a romance that is easy, right? Because she doesn't want to be with him at the beginning. But mm-hmm. I feel like it gets there too quickly. Where it's like I honestly no. just didn't feel like I needed it at all. And maybe not. You might have been able to get by without it entirely, right? Because and and that's part of the problem is it's like no, 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 and then boom, yes, so that we can have a little bit of extra romantic tension at the end when she's captured. Mm-hmm. But maybe it wasn't earned enough, right? There's also, you know, the idea that the chance didn't have any special skills, I think is the point of chance. And I think that's a really good character, a really strong character because otherwise then the zeros suddenly become unbelievable. Like, well, wait, so every person in here is, is some, you know, amazing, you know, justice. That was the whole point of the whole thing. I think it's more interesting to say, well, then why is chance there? And then realize, Oh, because he is good at something. He just doesn't realize it or value it because of that imposter syndrome. I think that's a valid character choice. 
you may invalid. And I think Julia does say, yeah, but I don't think it was executed well. Uh, and, and so it didn't work for me. That's, that's fine. I don't think it's wrong to have somebody who's like, oh, why are they there? They don't seem to have the skills, but they're actually kind of naturally good at something. Mm-hmm. And that part I, I did like. I did like that. And I think I'm just playing devil's advocate yeah, a lot yeah. here because you I should. enjoyed the book. Um, I didn't feel, I don't feel like I needed the romance. I feel like, as I mentioned in the last episode, that I wanted a little more in depth characterization of, of the players. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I still had fun reading it. I, it is definitely one of these books. And, and I, I, I try to, to steer my own, conversations this way more often these days and I'm, I'm getting a little better at it where you if you want a certain thing out of a story this isn't going to give you that there are stories that that pan across multiple tastes and they're amazing and that's awesome um, but not every story is going to be that way i felt zeros had a really strong plot arc mm-hmm. uh and, and a really fun mystery for me uh and and was representative of hacker culture by by taking these these sort of stereotypes, including one that's the imposter syndrome, uh, out of the textbook, so to speak, and putting them on stage. Um, that doesn't mean that it had the depth of characterization or the kind of story that you like, and that's fine. Excellent. Well, that was really our only barrier sword, so I'm glad we got some some more meat out of that thread. Yeah. Good, Good stuff. Job, Thank you, Julia and Caitlin, both for for yes. posting. Well, let's uh, jump into a little bit of the book discussion for Ka. Ka! Dar <laughs> Oakley in the Ruin of Ymir by John Crowley. Why are you saying it like that? Because it's about crows. Well, let me tell you, I'm reading this book and I'm not that far in, but I'm raving about it. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Yes. I think, hold on, are you breaking up, Veronica? There's like a grackle on your line or something. Yeah, 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 I died. That's what that was. I just died. <laughs> I died. Um, yeah, I uh, this book I'm, I'm enjoying a lot so far. Yeah, me too. Um, no no, Mary Stew, Marty, Gary, Boo, <laughs> Crows. Birdie, Birdie, Poo? Birdie, Poo. No, Birdie, Poos. <laughs> <laughs> title title get it down pretty poos yeah um <laughs> so uh so so we don't have a lot to talk about because this is the ultimately the kickoff um but do we have did we have do a, a patreon post about this book that you want to read we didn't do that last week did we no we did not and i know i don't but there oh, is a patreon okay. post if you want to go read it would you like uh, me to go find it where I go into uh, what's going on with Mr. Crowley. Yeah, I just didn't pull it up. I Crowley is interesting. Like he is a guy who actually teaches writing. Uh, he has won literary awards. So we're we're going to the other end of the spectrum here, and this is why I think you know someone like Julia is excited for this month because it's like, Oh, now we're getting literary characteriz- characterization. How about characterization of a bird that you believe that there's your characterization. <laughs> Boom. Mike dropped Boom. Mike Crowley, right? Like this is, this is pretty great. Uh, if, if, if this is the kind of story you want, this is one of the best examples because it's an award-winning literary author, uh, telling the story of the world from a crow's perspective in a believable way, setting up, in the first few chapters, 
explanations for all your objections to why that couldn't possibly happen. Like, <laughs> oh, no, I'm not actually writing to you in crow speech. I'm translating and even occasionally pointing out like, well, there really isn't an English word for what the crow said here. But this is my best approximation, like mm -hmm. super consistent. I'm loving it. Yeah. Um, I am really enjoying it as well. And it is it's a fantasy book. It's a fantasy book beyond being understanding, being able to understand crows. Um, which I think is great. There's, uh, I'm not too, too far into the book yet, uh, yet so far. Um, man, my grasp of the English language, I might as well be a crow at this point. I have a hard time having a hard time, Tom, but I did find that Patreon link. So I'm going to I don't know why it. you were bothering. We could just no, talk about this. Okay. All right. I don't have to. I just thought you put so much work into But now into you them. found it. Okay. December book briefing. Ka! Dar Oakley and the Ruin of Ymir. Are you just going to read it like a book on tape? Because you're good at that. Born in Presque Isle, Maine in 1942, John Crowley's father was an officer in the U.S. Army Air Corps, grew up in Vermont, in northeastern Kentucky, and Indiana, where he went to college. He moved to New York after college, and his first novel was a science fiction book called The Deep, published in 1975. Oh my gosh, it's like a Ken Burns documentary. Engine Summer in 1979 was nominated for the American Book Award in the sci-fi category and appeared in David Prinkle's science fiction, The 100 Best Novels. Little Big, published in 1981, won the World Fantasy Award for Best Novel. It is named in many compilations of great American literature, not just genre literature. Uh, okay, that's good. I'm good here. Mm -hmm. I'm good here. He's also ah. a documentary film writer. Yeah. Wow. His scripts include The World of Tomorrow on the 1939 World's Fair, No Place to Hide on the Bomb Shelter Obsession, The Hindenburg for HBO, and Fit, Episodes in the History of the Body, American Fitness Practices and Beliefs Over the Decades with Lori Block. Nice. And he teaches courses in utopian fiction, fiction writing, and screenplay writing at Yale. So he's really good at this. <laughs> he's good at this stuff. Yeah. He's not just trying his hand at it. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. See, this is why the, the Patreon blurb is important. Yeah. Tom, you do good work. You should be Thank proud you. of it. You should you want to share it, it. <laughs> in advance of the show. <laughs> I should pull it up before the show. <laughs> we all have things to work on. It's fine. We're growing. This is, this is a growth exercise. Yeah. We're only, you know, 11 years into the show. We'll get <laughs> Uh, somewhere someone dropped their Patreon pledge just now. Sorry. Um, but yeah, we did have, we did have a lot of comments. Uh, one thing that I've been loving about this book so far is the, uh, Corvid excitement going on over on the forums. Um, a lot of Corvid fans, uh, myself included, I've been trying Cor to make Corvid. Yeah. It's like the family, uh, that crows and ravens belong mm, to. Okay. Thank you. You didn't know that? No, I didn't. So you're not a Corvid, avid Corvid fan. No, no. And, and, and when you drop that like that with us non-Corvid fans, uh, I'm sorry. Feel a little left out. So. I didn't mean to be high and mighty. <laughs> like a crow. Fly <laughs> <Yeah>. soaring. <laughs> um, but yeah, crows are really smart. So Silvana started a thread called Animal POVs and Bird Knowledge. And she said, okay, I reached halfway point. And I just want to quickly address these. One, Animal POV. I love the voice of Dar Oakley. It is also my first Crowley book, so I don't know whether his other novels have similar poetic quality in the prose or something. Last time I read a good animal POV was Children of Time, but this one tops that. 
too. I learned a lot about birds from this book. It made me Google stuff like the difference between crows, ravens, and rooks, as well as terns and squaws. Squaws? I don't know them. Squaws, Mm. S-K-U-A-S. And uh, she says, if you love animals, I think you'll love this book. Yeah, I I don't want to spoil. This won't spoil anything. Mm -hmm. But when you find out why Dar Oakley is is called Dar Oakley, mm-hmm. it's pretty amazing. It's pretty endearing. Yeah. Uh, Trike had the best uh, comment, in my opinion, in this thread. Uh, he posted a an image, a little meme here, and it shows uh, three smaller ravens or crows and one larger, uh, uh, I believe, a raven. Crows, I think ravens are a little bit bigger than crows. It says, scientifically, a raven has 17 primary wing feathers, the big ones at the end of the wing. They are called pinion feathers. A crow has 16. So the difference between a crow and a raven is only a matter of opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> Get it? Yeah, because it's a matter of, of opinion. Opinion. Yeah. Without spoiling anything. You guys are all anything, laughing really hard out you there, right? You're laughing really reason- hard. For the name Dar Oakley, <laughs> it's gonna be amazing. Well, if now you liked I... this. If you liked this meme, okay. All right. Anyway, also uh, Ka. I think you can guess that one. Yeah, I think you can guess. You might be able to guess that one. Um, but there are actually uh, uh, um, there's a lot of good crow knowledge happening in the thread in in, in over yeah. on Goodreads. And no, that's really uh, cool. uh, also, yeah, as I mentioned, I've been trying to make crow friends for a while. Mm. Um, you can actually get crows to recognize you and respond to certain sounds. Um, so if that's something any of you are interested in, I can share some resources with you. I sent you a video today, since you're way up on the Corvid scene, mm-hmm. of a bird. But I think that's a grackle. It's definitely not a crow. But could you tell what it was? I thought it was a crow. Oh, really? No, yeah. I think it's too big to be a crow. It's hard to tell perspective from the video, I know. Yeah. But if kinda... people are like, what are you talking about, Tom? It was a video of this big black bird sitting on top of a telephone pole, just constantly saying the same thing over and over again. I don't know if you can hear it, but yeah. it's a little low. Here it goes. He's just it, talking. Was, it was doing that, just just that one syllable. For what like do you 15 think, minutes. What do you think he was saying? It's raining. It's Part raining. He's like, ugh, rain, uh, rain, uh, rain, rain, <laughs> rain. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Um, our show is entirely funded by your patrons. We love you so much. Thank you so much to the folks who back our show. If you want to help us out, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. You can also support the show by buying books through our links. Find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Send us an email, please. Feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. And all of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye.
This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there. 